Hey guys, it's Dana DiLorenzo, Kelly from Ash vs. Evil Dead. You're listening to Midwest Monsters. What a cool name. I'm excited. I'm sorry. I picked this topic. I love this movie. That's a scary movie. It's a scary movie. And it still affects me just the same. I cannot put that on. I gotta tell you, something about this movie worked for me. I was oh, like, it rocked. So, I mean, that's kind of, that's debatable. But, I mean, it's a great movie. That You know, I, it's my right as a viewer, as somebody who spends my money and time to go watch these films, to have my opinions and be disappointed. But that's what I love about about this group doing this podcast right now is that on so many pages <laughs> we're like right there with each other. But then I mean it, it's it's almost inevitable that uh, you know half the time we're gonna go you're out of your mind. You are out of your mind. I'm sorry, <laughs> man. That's- Welcome to the Midwest Monster Podcast, and now here are your hosts. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I am one of your hosts. I'm Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by... Professor Wagstaff. Hot Toddy. Venomous Vinny. So glad to be with you again, folks. We are revisiting a familiar format, the good old Monster Mash, that we've given up numbering at this point, unless Professor's feeling really spry. Yeah, we'll just say 20-something. <laughs> 20-something. Uh, coincides with the number of Friday the 13th films out now. Um... <laughs> Monster Mash, the format where we all choose a film, and everybody watches it, and we talk about it. So, uh, Professor, what film did you pick? I picked The Devil's Candy, a recent one. Um, it's I basically picked it, I you know, I hadn't watched it yet, I picked it just because I wanted to watch it, I knew I was going to watch it, yeah. so I thought it'd be fun to cover. Um, Ethan Embry's been doing uh, promo for it, going around to conventions and signing for free. And it's something when we had went to the convention in Cincinnati back in the spring, I knew I wanted to watch the movie. So, and it was on Netflix. So, uh, listeners, if you're interested, it should be available to you there for at least some time. Absolutely. But that's why I picked that one. Cool. Cool. Toddy, what did you pick and why? I picked Trick or Treat, the 1986 film. Because it's like Halloween time and I wanted to watch Trick or Treat. There you go. Very good. Actually, uh, I just picked this up on Blu-ray. Um, uh, German, German German quality. It's not even called Trick or Treat. It's called Ragman. Yeah. Right. Um, I watched about five minutes in in German English until I realized I had to change the track. So, but uh, it's not available here on Blu-ray, and so it's a good substitute, I guess. Over okay. over the bootlegs. Cool, cool. Volatile Vinny. What did you? <laughs> I picked The Fly, the 1958 version, I believe is the year, 58, with Vincent Price. I picked that movie because, uh, A, I I had just watched it, uh, and I like creature features, and I like to a lot of times throw in movies that are from an earlier era than what a lot of us are, what what it's covered a lot on the show, so. Okay. And it was on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, boy. Um, I chose a little film out of New Zealand called What We Do in the Shadows. Um, this film was heavily recommended. It, it hit Netflix. I'm going to say it was on there for like two to three weeks. I mean, it was a very short, um, span. So it was, um, it got on there and a lot of people watched it and they said, uh, Hey, Robert, you should really watch this. You should really watch this. You know, and I thought... And he said, you don't tell me what to do, bitch. <laughs> yeah, right. I said, you don't elk me what to do, bitch. And uh, and so when I went to watch it, it wasn't on Netflix anymore. So it was like a long time before I got my hands on it and could watch it. And it's so weird. It comes and goes from Netflix. But I think it's on Amazon Prime right now. And that's how... It is not on Netflix currently. Okay. So Toddy <laughs> knows that. And he'll talk a little bit more about that. I own it on Blu-ray. Uh, because yeah, I already had it. I He's fancy. Since I watched it for the first time last year, I probably watched it four times um, because <laughs> I really enjoy this film. So uh, um, that's why I picked it. It's a lot of fun, and if people haven't seen this, my goodness, 
you've got to see it. So, I think we're going to start all the way back and work our way forward. So, the first film would be... The Fly. What year did it come out? I believe 1958. That's correct. Okay. Yes, 1958. Uh, Vinny, your film, you want to give us a synopsis? Sure. Um, the movie is about a scientist. This is going to sound very familiar if you've watched the remake. Uh, a scientist who is working on teleportation technology. Um, the experiment goes awry. And he is genetically mingled with the fly that is in, uh, spoiler. in, the, tra in the transporter pod with him. And uh, that, that's the premise of the entire movie. I'm not going to diss you here, but I almost feel like that's uh, it's an unfair way to sell the premise because you, you are not savvy to that information. Let's say we were the original audience. Okay. You're not savvy to that info until the last a great quarter too. of the film. Sure. You know what I mean? Because yeah. the whole time, we're under the... That's what I love about this. It's almost like a murder mystery. It's a oh, murder yeah, mystery. for sure. Yeah, it's like his, uh, Vincent Price's brother, who's the, the, the main scientist, dies. The wife has killed him. We know that much, but she won't say why. And she feigns madness. And, like, for the whole film, we're fleshing out this story about what led her to killing him. Which is then the premise. And, and, and they right. don't even quite believe that she is the murderer because a woman could not figure out how to work a machine. <laughs> yeah, right. Who yeah. gave her that <laughs> Because the movie opens, basically, with you see this industrial press and there's this body sticking out from it, which... Particularly gruesome for them. For five, 1950, that was my initial thought was, this is really gory for a 1958 film. Absolutely. Absolutely. Get straight to it. I mean, straight to the gore with this movie. Yeah. Professor? I think that this one um, is kind of unfairly remembered incorrectly, which you guys are kind of hinting at, but I, I think that the career that that followed with, with Vincent Price and a lot of his playful and campy nature um, and the ending of this film in particular, which we'll get to, um, I think kind of overshadows a very important element to it, which is it walks a very fine line between goofy mm -hmm. and dreary, high drama, yeah. serious stuff. Yeah. And... I don't want to use the word masterful, but it's pretty close. Yeah. I, it's, I think it's very impressive uh, for a film from this time to balance that so well. Because you deliver in both departments for film fans. So the people who came to yell and have fun uh, and get something a little schlocky have that filled. The people who just want a decent film get that how schlocky and, was it though for 58 you know what i mean yeah well i mean i in think, terms I think of, it was more shocking than i mean we were well into the atomic age of horror mm -hmm. with all of the different experiments and effects from it whether it be from a scientist or something bigger um to a region but with with this i think what's most important to point out is that this movie is patricia owen's movie Mm -hmm. and it's never remembered that way. Vincent and, Price is very brief. Yeah, really. yeah, so you go into it thinking you're getting a, a full-on Vincent Price movie. It's clearly not that. And to be honest, it's really not so much about the scientist, the husband. I mean, he, yeah, he's no, a that's minimal true. amount compared to who is there to the entire thing, her. And she does an exceptional job for that role because she's not handed any of the easy stuff. It the, feels the very stuff. much like the Twilight Zone, too. Like an yes. episode of the Twilight yeah. Zone, the way this movie's done. And so that is what I took most from this viewing. I'd seen it a handful of times. I always remember uh, Charles Herbert, who was in, later in 13 Ghosts, the kid actor. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously the famous last scene. Um, but... As I've gotten older, I now appreciate the kind of nuanced performance yeah. from from her. Um, she carries the film because with, without her, 
this isn't very engaging or interesting. Mm -hmm. But the but the the ride that she goes on is kind of the steady to the film that we need. And I thought that was the most important element for me from this. I this is my first time seeing this. And I wish I didn't know the the famous ending. Help me, mm -hmm. help me. Like I wish I didn't know that. Because because I knew that, that's how I figured out the plot about 20 minutes in, 15, 20 minutes in. Mm -hmm. If I hadn't known that, this story is done so well that you would have never guessed that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Because like by the time like, I'm like, okay, how's it in? Oh, yeah, he must have been the fly, and that's why she smashed him. It was a mercy killing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Spoiler, by the way. Um, but uh, if I hadn't known that, I mean, I think if I had been watching this in 1958, this would have been mind-blowing. Mm -hmm. Totally mind-blowing. Uh, Toddy. Uh, this too was my first viewing. Um, obviously I've seen the ending and I felt like I watched the movie to be honest until I started watching it and I realized I've never seen the entirety of this film. Um, I kind of feel the same way. Like, um, I was actually surprised by the movie because like you said, if, if you didn't know where it was going to me, it was a weird murder mystery of, um, and the way she played it almost was like uh, a lot of like dramatic films where uh, like when she would overwork about a fly in the room, you're just like, is she pretending to be crazy? Or yeah. um, So had I not known where the movie was actually going. Um, so so when I watch these films, I always imagine like uh, like being an audience member at this time, because I also think, too, the 50s was the 50s was like the sci-fi era, right? Mm -hmm. Where mm -hmm. aliens and like so by 58, so much had been done. And they could have easily just did a story about the scientist becoming the fly. But instead, they did this weird angle where it's her telling the story. Yeah. And, and so it it is a sci-fi horror film, but because of her, and it really didn't feel that way. So I, I think it, it made it different from a lot, of other, uh, a lot of other films in this time period. I love the 50s sci-fi lab equipment. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. So good. The neon lights yeah, and the man. sounds. It looks so cool. I, I do, uh, watching this though, I was this originally in black and white? or This, like the blob, I always I, I, remember. I always thought it was in black, black and white, and white but the sequel color. was. Mine was colored. Isn't that weird? Mm -hmm. I didn't and it was also Cinemascope too, so... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've uh, I've always remember. I swear, like always. It's remember, probably because all of the production stills that we've ever seen in our lives were white. in black and white. Yeah, because they were in black and white. So films. I was wondering, and, and I thought, well, why would they do CinemaScope and make it in black and white? Do you well, like how a white woman who's confessed to murder is treated in this movie? I kept thinking white privilege because they're <laughs> yeah. like, oh, honey, he turned into a fly. We believe you. Uh, yeah. Like, well, we suspect you. Stay here with this nurse in your comfortable bed in your house. You've just confessed to murder, but. I'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> You're no danger to anyone else, <laughs> are you? Um, I like that it, it borders a fine line between silly and a sad, painful story. Like, that's what I think um, the remake does well. We've talked about the remake before, and the remake's one of my favorite horror films of all time. Oh, yeah. And I think that the remake stays true to this film by bordering silly and sad and painful mm -hmm. um, by doing it and doing them both well and marrying them. And this was a strong movie too, to like the remake did it beyond the remake so much better, but this was a strong movie before mm -hmm. the remake. Um, and where, yeah, it's hokey now a little bit, but you know, if you're an audience member in the fifties, I'm sure they didn't, you know, yeah, yeah this was still kind of like new territory. I did secretly when he did the cat, my mind went to like, what if instead of the fly, the cat got in with him, and so it was like the cat yeah. instead of the fly? I think that the reveal of that head, yes. yeah. his, uh, ha his hand, even before the, I when bet, the hand came out, I'm sure, I, I just, again, I pictured audience members. Yeah, like, they had to be terrified in 1958. They had to be the terrified. Vision. People were passing out and had to be carried out of theaters. I mean, because, <laughs> and, and not to get into the, Getting to it too much, we're not here to talk about it. The Return of the Fly, the Return of the Fly is cartoonish. Yeah, it's what you would, what you thought, what this you was thought going this would be. It. Yeah, uh, but the head on this, 
just the way the little the the mouth has movement mm-hmm. and everything like legit well, i bet it was the terrifying fly, the fly with the human head yeah and you, well, and you insert in her reaction. That's yes. Yeah. That's in every montage of random screams and moments in horror history because it was that damn good. Yep. Yeah. Her screams great. Do you think he got a fly dong? <laughs> <laughs> Is that why he wanted to kill himself? Well, he does have to get busy. busy. Sorry. Um, boo, sir. Boo. Well, and I, I think the I think this is the true monster too, where uh, where he knows that like he's losing who he is. And he's wanting to harm yes. her because he has to like actually hold his hand back and stuff. Which, honest, let's be honest, is the dumbest part of the movie. Watching him wrestle his arm <laughs> is stupid. Which, again, the remake did well in the fact that he realized he was becoming more fly than human. And I think well, what's I mean, terrifying of the remake is is he feels like I'm beyond, like I'm perfect, and now I want to make you perfect too. Let's make this whole big yeah bundle thing together. Um, the end of this, I love when, uh, you know, the, the detective, the police chief, whatever he is, when he, when he kills the fly, like kind of gives it a mercy killing before the spider can get to it. And Vincent Price is like, see, you just killed a half man, half spider. She killed a half man, half, or not spider, fly. half man, half fly. She killed a half man, half fly. You've been accountable of the same crime. So you can't charge her. And he's like, yep. He's like white privilege. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just wipe his shits from the book. So uh, the the bad thing the is graphic death. The too. spider um, did. The spider did get the fly. He just took a rock because it, it was eating his head. Yeah. But it's a. Uh, Thanks for calling me out. It's a graphic death. <laughs> it's a graphic death in that press for 1958. Yeah. Well, then she and has then to she, like throw his hand in too. Yeah. yeah. Well, the second time, man. Yeah. Like, well, I, I love like that, that setting for films where we enter. In right after the pinnacle of our story, mm-hmm. and then we go back and learn what is left yeah. after that. Especially for a film when you pop it in that you're expecting to see, you know, Vincent Price making you laugh at Schlock for 80 minutes, and you open with that, it's like, whoa, that is intense for sure. All right, any final thoughts about the fly before we move on? Uh, just, I'm glad we covered it. If, if for nothing else, it helps us remember that. Cronenberg didn't change that much. He made an excellent film, but it's interesting to go back and see that the balance actually was there. It's just because of that ending, it's frequently thought of as a much campier film than it really was. Right, yeah. He tells the story differently, but he stays pretty true to the the heart of it. Yeah. And that's why they're both so good. Yeah, totally. It's not that different. You've mentioned before with remakes that, like, you know, there has to be a change. I think the only thing that's different is the technology in the 80s, which... They want to re- well. They really want to remake it again. So if you think about computers from 1985 or six yeah. to now, that's why if they the, if they did it right, it could be a, another good remake. All the best horror remakes tend to be sci-fi. Yeah, for that very reason. The Blob, yeah, the Thing, yeah. the Fly, they're all great. Right. They also have the in the title. That too. Well, I've got to tell listeners if you've never seen this and like you think the help me like is just like some silly ending to a silly movie. You've got to see this film. I'm, I'm sad. Uh, I'm sad that it took me this long to watch the movie in its entirety because I feel like this is a staple. Yeah. And then totally. This Likewise. is definitely always on my shame list. Once I, when I'm like, you know, there there are movies you feel like you might have watched because you've seen so much about it. And as, as soon as it opened, I was like, you've never seen this movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, right on. All right. Next up in the lineup is a little film called Trick or Treat. Tell us uh, the year and some of the details of the synopsis. Probably. So, uh, Trick or Treat, not to be mistaken for uh, for the little Sam guy. Which is also one of our favorite films. But uh, this one's 1986, and it has Mark Price, who I think was right in the middle of Family Ties fame. He was Skippy from Family Ties. Skippy. Skippy. Uh, Tony Fields plays uh, Sammy Kerr. Um, yes. Young Doug Savant, I guess young. He was... The 30-year-old in every 80s movie went on to do uh, Desperate Housewives. Um, I don't think this movie was a huge hit, and I remember more people complaining about it. But for me, I, um, I think it premiered on Showtime or whatever pay channel we had. And me as a kid in the 80s, I was terrified of damn music and Satan coming through because <laughs> it was like in so many movies. Yeah. 
And so uh, the concept to me was terrifying, which is um, uh, Tony Fields plays Sammy Kerr, who's like a heavy metal artist. And uh, Mark Price is like one of his number one fans. Oh, and Sammy is uh, caught in a hotel fire and, and burns horribly. And he ends up uh, getting access to one of his final albums, which is unreleased. And as he plays the album, um, there's backward lyrics. When he plays the album backwards, it actually starts talking to him. And he's kind of, um, he's a metal kid in the 80s, so he's bullied a lot. And because of uh, help with uh, with Sammy, like uh, he kind of takes on the bullies. And then uh, realizes that that Sammy wants a little bit more than just uh, than to scare the bullies in his school. And that's the lowdown. So. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. I don't want to tell the whole movie. <laughs> just take it from the top. Uh, one thing I want to say real quick about this movie: uh, this was my first viewing, my first time seeing it. Mine as well. Really enjoyed it, but. Uh, uh, as a young man, uh, working, <laughs> professor, you've got to calm down, sir. Young man working at Target, uh, Target, in the late nineties. Um, this was already on like the DVD bargain shelf and the DVD cover just focus like features like a haunted house with a skull and a very large and prominent Gene Simmons <laughs> and a very large and prominent Ozzy Osbourne. Who together are in the movie less than three minutes. Yeah. Collectively. That's probably being fair. Gene Simmons plays a radio DJ. Ozzy Osbourne plays an <laughs> evangelical preacher, uh, speaking out against. So you could relate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so that's one of my first memories of this film. Is saying, "I'm like, what in the heck is this? Like, Gene Simmons and Ozzy like scaring people or what?" <laughs> uh, and that's how they tried to market it. So, which that that was the that was like the long after the movie's been out. Sure. Where they're just trying to make a buck off the DVD, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I love that this film plays on the, uh, the coming in at 86, I mean, we're kind of in the heat of, of what uh, we refer to as the satanic panic in our country, um, where <clears throat> uh, televangelists and uh, parent groups are just labeling anything they don't like satanic. You know, especially hair metal. You know, Motley Crue, Shout at the Devil, you know, all these things. It's all satanic. Debbie uh, Gibson. Yeah, it, right, absolutely. Very evil. Very evil. Uh, playing records backwards, doing the back masking, like all that stuff. And it really, um, if you look at psychological cases, there <clears throat> were a lot of people who got hurt in this era. Um, mm -hmm. People who were accused of things. We talk about, you know, the West Memphis Three, which is years later, but still the same yeah, still idea. still 80s, the tail end of that. Yeah, that craze. exactly. Because, yeah, this, this craze went through the 80s into the early 90s. Yeah. Um, so they just labeled horror movies, music, anything. That Black t-shirts. Yeah, and... it, I mean, they just all this, that long hair. Um, just, they called it satanic. And smart people played into that to make more money. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, bands and movies. Like, oh, well, let's just lean into it. Like, if they already think it's evil, and it's clearly not, let's just keep going. But like I said, people got hurt. Um, people got accused of crimes. Uh, you know, like, you, you, you don't have to look far to find these things of, like, they're saying, uh, you know, babysitters were accused of making the kids participate in satanic rituals and, like, things that, like, these were real cases. Those babysitters didn't do that with you? <laughs> just one. Just one. And it was, it was whatever, <laughs> but, uh, um, anyways, so I love that they tip their hat to the satanic panic of the era because it's, it's a big thing. It really is. Uh, this one is my second viewing of this film. Um, I really, really like it. I think that the kind of communities of heavy metal and horror films obviously kind of cover each other to a certain degree. Um, and there really isn't that many good movies that kind of express that. And I think this is top form of that. Uh, ironically, I do want to point out, uh, directed by Charles Martin Smith, who was the nerd in American Graffiti. And he also <laughs> has a small role in the film. Nice. Um, Terry. I think Terry the Toad? Yep. <laughs> uh, 
But yeah, I feel like this uh, does what some other films didn't do as well later. Um, it reminds me of anything from like Brain Scan with the. Uh huh. Uh, and I know they're very different films, but there's something about it's, that. It's from, the same film. Yeah, it's got that weird interaction through Hobby that kind of goes sour. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, stuff stuff like we've covered, uh, for instance, Deathgasm, and that mm-hmm. just didn't capture it for me. The the playfulness. It kind of got spoiled by behavior of some of the characters. And, like, to me, one of the strongest things about uh, being, you know, a fan of music, especially in the metal community, is the charm of the love for it and how that's that's yours mm-hmm. if, if you were in that. And so some of that was kind of lost in other films where it's not in this for me. Yeah, I love that this really seems to capture so many things of its time within one movie without being hokey or over the top with it. It's kind of effortless, which, you know, if you were to pick up a copy of the movie off the shelf with that cover you described, you'd never imagine any of that. No. Because uh, it looked bad and it was misleading on that on that particular cover. I know exactly the one you're talking about. Yep. But with this, it, you care about the kid, but it's not sappy. Um, it's just, it's engaging throughout. It's fun. It also plays on, you know, with what you talked about, the, the, the scare of Satanism in the 80s. And that movie's just making fun of it left and right. It's just having a blast with it. Right. Um, uh, you know, I'm not going to go through the examples because you already have, but I mean, it clearly is just taking jabs and all of that um, and making it a part of the story so that if you don't want it to be, you know, a satire, it doesn't have to be. It mm-hmm. just be its own thing. Right. Uh, but I, I think that everyone in it plays their role well. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's a great, exactly what it is, an 80s horror heavy metal movie. So it's just a blast. I will say it's not <laughs> the most Halloween movie. You know what I mean? Like There's it, a few pumpkins yeah. like outside I, in the Halloween yeah. dance. That's the only thing I would have hoped for is a little bit more of, of that atmosphere. But at the end of the day, that's all right. It's, it's still, it's a kick-ass time. Very cool. Very cool. Vinny, your first viewing. This was my first viewing. Uh, Did you watch this on a huge screen? <laughs> uh, shame, shame on Hot Toddy. Uh, with short notice for this for the show this time, Todd picks a movie that is not on Netflix or easy for me to get a hold of. So I, I watched... to go to the nickel bin at any store. Remember I suggested over a month ago... Of maybe doing a show. Don't but. put that voodoo on me, Ricky Bobby. I was with you. <laughs> uh, so I watched this movie on my iPhone 5S <laughs> in 10-minute intervals on YouTube. Chad uh, Nokia flip phone. <laughs> nonetheless, I enjoyed this movie. I had never seen it, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, this may be the most 80s film I've ever seen in my life. Oh, yeah. And I'm, that's not a negative I am. That is a no, positive. That very, is me saying much. that is the most '80s movie I think I've ever seen in my life. Like for instance, uh, what '80s movie would be complete without blue electricity special <laughs> effect? Oh yeah. <laughs> Coupled with the music, you know. I mean, it. it this movie is just '80s as shit, but it's great. It's great. It, like you guys said, plays into all that. The, the music scare shit, you know, the Satanism, the even play a little bit into the, uh, what were the, the, the hearings where D Snyder right. and Frank Zappa Tim were there. Yeah. yeah. They play into that a little bit. Like it's a good movie. It's a fun watch. Uh, it's one that I can see being in my rotation, maybe not annually, but at least fairly often. Uh, I was, I think it's the only time I've ever noticed the actress who played Large Marge in Pee-wee's Big Adventure being in something else. Uh, and I can think of a half a dozen cooler nicknames than Ragman. Just putting that out there. <laughs> At least we called Buttman or something. Yeah. Ragman. I, I like, too, that there's a, there's a mix of... Uh, I, you know, I think some of the scares for me was just because of my age, because now I don't really find... The concept's kind of scary, but the movie's really not. Yeah. Right. But I, I love when he... He's in the nerd's house, and he 
and Sammy Kerr pulls out the the lady from the TV. Oh yeah, who which, which is large March. Yeah, and, and right. great great effect because when he pulls her out, she just completely burned. And the next scene, that kid's trying sure, to vacuum right. her up. Yes, that's one of my favorite scenes. It was in my notes. And and also uh, when he kills Ozzy again, he just it's a simple scene, but he just takes his hand on the TV and and. Yeah, did you notice that making it also really 80s during the dance when the stretcher is moving, there's a guy in a Billy Bob from Showbiz <laughs> yes. Pizza costume? <laughs> yes. I can't imagine how fun it would have been to, to have been like, let's say, 16 and watch him yank that woman out of the TV. You know how sick metal fans were for that shit <laughs> oh, yeah. already? Yeah. Like how fun that must have been. To, to be a teenager in 86 when this came out yeah. would have been, and being in the metal would have been so awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, also worth mentioning uh, that Fastway did an amazing soundtrack oh, in this yeah. film. Uh, Fast Eddie Clark from uh, Motorhead and uh, little known Dave King, who later went on to find found find flogging molly was the lead singer for fastway he's like 19 at the time that soundtrack's awesome it's such a good soundtrack such a good soundtrack i, I think too uh <clears throat> like the iconic scenes where he actually comes through like the speakers and stuff were also pretty cool and then it seemed like nobody gave a shit like uh again the nerd's house when uh when, like there's a big like the 80s electricity flicker he's like i'm gonna make my milkshake with peanut butter <laughs> <laughs> And then you have the mom that, like, overbearing, but at the same time really doesn't give a shit. Did anybody else notice that when the mom is leaving for the Halloween party with her boyfriend, uh, you see a boom mic come into frame? <laughs> no. If you didn't rewatch and notice it. I didn't watch, watch it on my it on Ikea, but... That's how you see it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that the boyfriend was, was a little scrawny Rambo. <laughs> Just as Rambo. <laughs> so good. So good. Any other thoughts on this one? Vinny, do you want to talk about that car scene? That you oh, love? where the green mist gets rapey? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for, for getting rapey. <laughs> Thank you, Sammy Kerr. H-A-W-T. <laughs> Sammy Kerr was awesome. Like, he just played what you expected, like, that hair metal. He's, he's, a, good, he's like. a good, fun 80s villain. Yes. Yeah. Loved it. Loved it. Any other thoughts? Uh, just, it's a blast. The, the going through the frequencies is a little out there, but it doesn't I mean, you're, at that point, you're not invested into it to be scared. You're just having a fun time. I feel like that so, concept, though, was ripped so much after this movie, like with Shocker and, yeah, and like I'm you sure. said, Brain Scan. And, yeah. yeah. But I do so like the fun and scan. using all the mediums for music, you know, the cassettes and playing the records backwards. So it was, it was great for, for music fans especially, and it still holds up. And fun to see the metal kid get back at the Jocks and Boys. Yeah. Like that Always cool. a blonde-haired... A hole oh, in every eighties movie. Of course. Like they couldn't get Z- Billy Zapka for the budget. <laughs> yeah. But... yeah. So they got one of Trump's sons too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad too that, that movies like this hold up well because uh, you know, what would happen fifteen years later numerous times with you know, kids retaliating in school settings. Yeah. So with you know, some of the horrible events that happen. It's 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 nice that these movies aren't soured by that. Uh, because I mean, and like he doesn't want the his bullies dead. Yeah, it was yeah. it was like it was like playful and scared him and freaked him out, but it didn't like right. murder him and spray their yeah. blood all over the place. Like so I think it's paramount yeah. to it being enjoyable now. Yeah, totally, totally. All right, cool. Well, thanks for picking this one, Toddy, and, and same to you, Vinny, for picking the Fly. Two films I'd never seen before, and uh, really had a blast with them. All right, moving along, my pick. What We Do in the Shadows from 2014, directed by and starring Jemaine Clement, which most of you know from uh, Flight of the Concords. Um, and I'm going to butcher this name, Taika Watiti. Uh, <laughs> so they directed and starred in this. <laughs> Just say Tamika Watiti. Lake Titicaca. Um so this film is about uh, a group of vampires who are flatmates, but for all of you dyed-in-the-wool Americans, that means roommates. And uh, because in places like... Is that what a flatmate meant? <laughs> yep. <laughs> because in places like England, New Zealand, and Australia, they refer to their apartments as flats. So they are flatmates. 
Um, so you've got four vampires living together, and they uh, invite a documentary crew in. Yes, folks, this is a mockumentary horror comedy, which is quite a bit to bundle together there. <laughs> but all things that I love. Yeah, right. I love mockumentaries. I love horror comedies, you know. Um, and so uh, this mockumentary crew comes in because this is uh, they're leading up to the big, uh, is it a yearly gathering of all the undead or is it? Every few years, yes. They've got this big... And so it's leading up to this big gathering of the undead and the mockumentary crew wants to, to see what that's like. So the, the the gathering of the undead includes vampires and zombies and... Uh, but not the werewolves. They're not invited to the undead because they're not undead. Yeah. But they, it's important to remember that they are werewolves, not swearwolves. <laughs> so, uh, like I said, man, people recommended this to me. They were like this film was made for you, and those people are correct. This film was made for me. I absolutely love this movie. Um, I'll let you guys do your opening thoughts before I start gushing on different things. This is one that I don't remember how <laughs> how it came to me to, to be known to me, but nonetheless, I watched it and thought it was absolutely hilarious. Uh, you know, making fun of all the tropes of vampire movies and vampire lore, just it's just funny. It's and it's, so I watched it, and then within the week, I was like, told the wife, "You got to watch this movie. It's hilarious." And watched it two times within the first week of seeing it. And she watched it. She really enjoyed it. And I've probably seen it three or four times at this point. Uh, it's just so much fun. Like it's written so well. It's not like a. It's not making fun of the tropes like Dracula dead and loving it. Like it's right. not. It's not naked gun humor. Um, but it's great, like, uh, it's great parody humor. It's spoof very spinal taps. So, oh, yeah, yes. it's so good. And I think when I, I told Professor to watch it for the first time, he said, what, that hipster vampire movie? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's got that going for it, too. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so, this was my first viewing. Yeah. I'm excited um, th- to hear this, this, this movie was on my radar because of working at Hastings. Uh, it sold well, and kind of like Stranger Things, it was heavily recommended to me, almost to where I'm like, I'm going to watch what I want. <laughs> so I never got around to watching it. I wanted to. Um, for this, however, I uh, I was a, a little, uh, couldn't find it anywhere, so I found it on YouTube. <laughs> 20 minutes in, I realized, am I watching this film? I was not. I watched the Be Kind Rewind version where people decide to remake the movie themselves. Um, so uh, after 20 minutes or so realizing this, I found the actual movie, watched it. Um, as soon as I finished watching it, I'm not going to lie, I kind of felt uh, kind of like Vinny said, where after watching it, I'm like, man, I kind of want to rewatch this again. <laughs> it was um, almost even better than I was expecting it to be, especially for the concept. Um, I agree. It's not a spoof movie, but it borders that. And let's be honest, spoof movies today are horrible. Yeah. Um, the last good one I can even think of is not another teen movie or the first couple scary movies. Yeah, the first two. So there hasn't been a good like movie like this. But there's still not that version of comedy. Yeah, it's it's not exactly making. It's its own film. Yes. Um. So it's not like copying another movie like Naked Gun. But um, there still hasn't been a movie that's been this good like yeah, this I, in a I long agree time. With, I agree with that sentiment. Um, so the last uh, mockumentary that I think I've enjoyed, which is one of my favorite movies, is Drop Dead Gorgeous. Oh, that was like so 2001. Good. Yeah. Um, and I love Spinal Tap. Uh, typically movies today, though, just they can't do these type of films. And uh, I was actually pretty impressed because the movie was great. Um. I watched it by myself, and I've had a kind of a cold, too, so I wasn't feeling well. But I actually um, laughed out loud, like, the entire film. Like, I didn't, I almost didn't expect it to be this funny. Um, but, yeah, it was very enjoyable. This is my second viewing. Um, I think it's hilarious. It's a very funny movie. I don't love it as much as most people do, but I really like it. I mean, it's just, like, when I hear you guys say you've watched it, like, Four and five times already. I, I'm I'm not quite there, but I do. I really enjoy it. I think it's funny. 
Um, I think that they, it was wonderful how they approached it in the way of, it's almost like taking the horror to the suburbs, even though they're not in the suburbs, but like focusing on mundane life details. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For vampires. <laughs> Dishes. It's, yeah. I mean, it's just, the shit is hilarious. And it helps that it's got, a, it's not an American film. Yeah. Because vampires in general, right. to be that old, you can't have it be in America yeah. anyway. My, my only thing <clears throat> that I wished uh, was a little different with the film, my, and it's really my only complaint, is I wish there was more of a plot device to it. Mm-hmm. Not anything advanced, just that there was a more interesting <clears throat> goal we're working towards. Other mm-hmm. than there's a masquerade coming up. The Beast. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> that. that's really it. Because um, it's one of those things where, like, you know, when you talk about it after watching it, you just, there's not really, you can't go to that to latch on to as like, you know, where the journey takes you for the film. But the shit is hilarious. Um, I mean, there's just an assortment of laugh out loud moments. Oh, the yeah. The entire thing. I don't know why, but one of my favorite parts, and I remember it from the first <clears> viewing, was when they yelled bath fight. <laughs> <laughs> bath fight! Yeah, I laughed out loud again. <laughs> When that came up, just out in the alley, and they finally have had it. I, I love and when he goes straight jerk and turns back into a human and just throws the bat against the wall. I love, uh, and this is this is the nerd in me. I love that they included like an ancient Nosferatu type of favorite. vampire. Like I love it. Peter. Peter. <laughs> they're like uh, he's at the beginning of the film. He's getting everybody together for a flat meeting. And uh, they, they start having the meeting, and they're like, is Peter coming? And he goes, ah, Peter is 8,000 years old. I don't think he will be coming. <laughs> That's why I love his name even more, because we have all these exotic names for the rest of them. <laughs> Romanian soldiers, and then Peter. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't say enough good things about it. I love, I love the movie. I think one of my favorite scenes is where they do a montage where they're trying to wear something suitable for the night and then they all go out and they pass people and they're like fag (laughs) and they can't look in the mirror so they start drawing each other like to show each other what they look like making like scarecrows with the clothes and walking them down the hallway that and uh, the interaction with the werewolves to me was my favorite oh yeah which which I heard the sequel they're trying to do the werewolves werewolves they should that'd be great that'd be awesome um So also in that flat meeting, when like they start disagreeing, they go, yeah. <laughs> they just start floating and hissing at each other. <laughs> but he's, he shows him back even later, and he's like floating there. <laughs> uh, um, what was what was his name? Nick. Yeah. Where he's just uh, he's out telling everybody like, yeah, I'm a oh, vampire. he just got bit. <laughs> out telling everybody. Yeah, yeah. So I'm a vampire because <laughs> he thinks it's cool. But that's also Nick is. And what was his friend's name? The human. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember who who turns werewolf by the end of the movie. I can't remember. I can't remember. But he always reminds me when you guys talk about Doug from Canada. I'm always like, oh, that's that's Doug from Canada. <laughs> what do you do? Well, I'm a computer specialist. Um. So yeah, obviously, the werewolves and also trying to maintain themselves that they are uh, werewolves, not swearwolves. You know, um, Nick, who coincidentally gets gets bitten because. Uh, they have a familiar that they have go around and get people for them, invite them over, and uh, they like to do their mind trick. Uh, they're like, do you like, do you like Pascetti? <laughs> Not spaghetti, mind you. Do you like Pascetti? Oh, do you like worms? And they look down on the spaghetti. So like, and then later they admit, they're like, that is not our trick. We learned that from Lost Boys. <laughs> Which uh, another one of my favorite scenes is where uh, where Nick tries to do it, and then he eats the French fry, <laughs> and he pukes blood for like twenty minutes. Because yeah, he's like, I want human food again. He <laughs> just is barfing blood. Um, I also like uh, you know the, the the classic lore of vampires. They can't come in unless you invite them in. So they're going to all these other bars instead of the vampire bar trying to come in. And they're like, invite us in. And the bouncer's like, well, you know, the cover's this or that. And like, no, 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 invite us in. Like, they keep trying to talk them into inviting them in. Um, and then, of course, uh, last thing that hasn't been mentioned, uh, the Beast. Like, that's leading up to the masquerade <laughs> because uh, the char- uh, Jermaine's character, his ex-girlfriend, is going to be there. And he just keeps talking about the Beast. <laughs> he keeps referring to her. 
and you're expecting this evil monster, and it's just some lady. Yeah, it's always <laughs> unflattering yeah. drawings. The Beast. And they keep showing, like, these historical... What I love about the movie is that they keep showing, like, these historical drawings of vampires and demons and, like, drawing your mind to that thing. And they're like, oh, it's just these guys, yeah. you know? <laughs> so I just... I love this film. Um, Todd, I'm very pleased to hear that you liked it. I did really enjoy it. After after watch, finishing the Be Kind Rewind version <laughs> and finding the... The legit one, yes. Best horror comedy since Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, easily, yeah. easily. Uh, one of my favorite releases. Of the past. I say too, another. Uh, I kind of liked where they they charmed or whatever the police. Oh yeah, when well, it came to the domestic and dispute. Like, dead people in the basement. There's blood everywhere. <laughs> there's a vampire hunter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. So yeah, I'm 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 definitely excited to watch this movie again. Good, 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 good. Uh, all right. That's all I've got to say about what we do in the show. Highly recommended. Highly recommended. High praise. Two thumbs. I keep Way saying up. what we do in the dark, though. I think that's like a Medea movie. <laughs> <laughs> might, might be another kind Boo, of Boo, what we do in the dark. Um, all right. Round and third and head and helm. That is me. The Devil's Candy. <laughs> uh, it was made in 2015, released in 2017. Yeah. Uh, directed by Sean Byrne, who did The Loved Ones, which caused kind of a, a stir back in, I think, like, 2009. Um, it's basically got uh, the lead is Ethan, Embr- Ethan Embry. And really the only other notable face is Pruitt, Pruitt Taylor Vince, who... Is a creep in every movie. Yeah, yeah. he's kind of like resident creep. And he's the go-to movie. guy. He's kind of got the stigmatism. His eyes always move. Yeah, yeah. he diddles kids. Yeah. Um, so, so basically, the premise really isn't reinventing the wheel at all. Um, we've got a struggling painter, um, a passionate one, but who is played doing, by Ethan Yeah, he's uh, doing commission work, kind of you know just neutered, in the in the sense artistically. Um, but it's to pay the bills. Uh, family struggling. Daughter is unhappy. Um, kind of a little different. Loves her metal like her dad. Um, and they basically find a house um, that's really cheap. And uh, there's some problems with the house. Some things have happened in it. I don't know. If, do you want me to go over what happened at the very beginning? Sure. Sure. Okay. I mean, because it's not a spoiler. That, that's that's my biggest complaint is, I don't know if it was my viewing, but it was so damn dark. I don't even quite know. It, 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 it was hard to see. Yeah, yeah it, it is hard to see. Yeah. So there's some scenes that are so dark, I couldn't tell what was happening. <laughs> yeah. Unless you were in pitch dark watching it. But I mean, I even just had my, my Halloween like, lights on. Yeah, so the opening scene, I kind of didn't quite understand. Yeah, basically, uh, Pruitt Taylor Vince is standing in his room. Uh, playing uh, one, like, it sounds like a drop-down chord, heavy metal chord, just repeatedly. He's got a, the amp cranked up in the middle of the night. Which is what I do when my wife's not here. Yeah, I just turn the guitar <laughs> up really loud because it keeps the voices of demons out. And so, um, I just, and so he, we, we start the movie with that. It's disorienting. It's odd. Um, and his sister comes in and questions him on, on what he's doing in the middle of the night um, with playing the guitar chords non-stop. Um, and so she references, if you notice, uh, that he's going to have to go back in terms of quest- bringing into question his uh, mental problems in the past. Um, and she basically gets in the way of what he's doing by playing the chords in the middle of the night, and he turns around and knocks her ass down the stairs and kills mm-hmm. her. Um, and so now we have a murder in the house. Um, and so then... Fast forward back to where we were with Ethan Embry uh, touring the house and taking the deal on a uh, lowered cost of a home that they can actually afford and maybe start to fix some of the problems that they have uh, in their quest to get to a little bit of a happier spot. Uh, But as you might guess, being a horror podcast, there's some problems in the house uh, (laughs) that we encounter. So uh, before we go any further, what were your guys' thoughts on the film? This was a first-time watch for me, too. All right, uh, I'll go ahead. Um, I like this movie. I enjoyed it. Um, I don't think it's great or phenomenal or anything that reinvented the wheel, but it was well done. Uh, I think um, what I liked about it is that it was a tidy story. Like, it was very clean, 
Um, not in the way, not in the sense of saying like, oh, but like there were definitely some brutal, scary, gory parts. But I think the 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 story was just put in a box and tied together with a bow very nicely. So it didn't leave you like wondering. It didn't leave like a whole lot to the imagination. Um, for those of you that listen to the show regularly, you know that I like uh, a definitive ending. You know, what I mean, yeah. occasionally I like something to be left to the imagination. Occasionally, when it's done right, but so often we get things with plot holes these gaping plot holes and then they try to leave the ending to your imagination you're like well there's 50 possibilities for the ending you know what i mean instead yeah. of like a few um so i like that it was nice and tidy but at the same time it still had a lot of intense stuff in it so it wasn't like it was a sterile movie by any means yeah. so when yeah. i say tidy or clean i don't want you to think that it was a sterile film so that's one of my initial thoughts uh, obviously this would be the first time for me viewing this. Uh, again, this is something that I enjoy about the show because this is probably not something that I would have on my own watched, but having it be for an episode, it brought something that would be normally outside of my wheelhouse from, for me to watch. Um, I liked the movie. I didn't love the movie. Um, I've said before, I my tastes in horror, I tend to be more of a creature feature person. Uh, and I even extend that to the slashers because I feel like they're even creatures in themselves. Uh, so I kind of prefer a monster movie in a lot of ways. Um, I did like this movie. Like Grizzly said, I don't think they reinvented the wheel in any way, shape, or form with this. Um, a lot of it felt familiar from other things. Um, I did, I, I did enjoy it. I did like the movie. Um, but I don't necessarily know that it's something that I'm going to watch repeatedly. I, I, I could see watching it again and I would definitely recommend anybody to watch it at least once. Um, but I don't know how much rewatchability there is for me in this film. Uh, some definite, scary parts uh especially being a parent yeah uh before i was a parent I'll, there are things in movies that i probably would have rolled my eyes at but after becoming a parent there that makes those same things very uncomfortable and terrifying for me um and this movie has that um <laughs> i think that the the guy in the tracksuit uh, looks like Kyle Gass from Tenacious D. <laughs> and that that made it a little difficult for me to be too afraid of him through the through the entire movie. Um, but yeah, uh, I guarantee you that metalheads cream in their jeans over this movie for various for the soundtrack and the death at the end of it, I'm sure that it's a cream dream for them. Uh, I Like I say, I liked the movie. I didn't love the movie, but I'm glad I watched it. And I would recommend other people to watch it as well. Um, the first time viewing. Long time listener. Long time listener. First time caller. Uh, I kind of... I, I have a weird tendency now where I don't watch a lot of new horror films. I'm the same way. Um, I go to the theaters still quite a bit. But uh, a lot of straight-to-video stuff, or like this type of movie, I, it just kind of misses me quite a bit. So uh, I was kind of glad to watch it. I actually really enjoy this movie almost too much. Uh, Whoa! It kind of <laughs> got it kind of got too dark to where uh, literally. Like, I, I don't I don't know how much I want to talk about it, but uh, like the ending. Which, I mean, if it would have ended differently the way I thought it was going to go, this movie felt so real at points that I kind of almost felt like I needed to stop watching it. Um, I can guy, see that. The but guy that they... Say, too, that we're getting towards the end of the episode, so this is a new movie. Just pause <coughs> on this episode if you are wanting to check it out on Netflix and then come back. I mean, yeah. We're not covering anything else, but you can go ahead and talk so, about Well, that. you know, like, uh, I don't have children, and... and 
there's there's a reason Stephen King constantly kills children because he's fucked up. It's it's, it's <laughs> fucked up. Like, children have an innocence and uh, like like even the teenage like I don't I I assume he killed the two brothers. Like that scene, like uh, when he kills that kid on the swing. Yeah. It's, oh man. It's vicious. Yeah. It's vicious. And where the ending was going, you know, typically, especially a horror film, sometimes you almost don't want the happy ending. If it would have ended the way I thought it was yeah, going, yeah, same here. Because it was, I, I assumed the mom was dead, and he's going to take the daughter upstairs, and he killed dad. And I was like, this is a vicious fucking movie, and it yeah. almost felt. The guy that's playing him, let's be real, he's he's a creep for a reason because yeah, he's constantly he got them wiggly eyes. He does. Like he's got like and, that stigmatism. And this movie on. felt so real that it's like, I don't know if I I can finish watching this movie or be happy if they end it. Well, there. because because of the fact that uh, yes, there is some supernatural stuff brought into this movie. Yeah, the like, takeaway hinted that, at, but everything else. This is which a, I think is why I like. Monster movies and creature features because there's that level of fiction that takes me away from the real world. This was real world. This is very much rooted in the real world. You take away them hearing shit, this was real world. Like, even the kills weren't, like, stylized. No. Like, it was, he picks up a fucking rock, he picks up a rock and mashes your head a couple times. Yeah, and and, and then it showed the paintings and and dealing with the kids. And, And that's what the devil's candy is, which I had no idea going in. The devil's candy is the devil wants to feed on children. Um, I, I think things that I like the most, though, is... Uh, and, and for what for me, what makes a movie real is... Uh, I know people gripe about it, but almost product placement. So the fact that That's she's wearing Metallica, and they show a picture of Legend, and, you know, I hate movies where it has to be... They're scared to God that they're going to have to pay somebody, or they don't get paid for a product. Um, the same way Trick or Treat has... Like legit music, and they're wearing real, real rock yeah. band T-shirts, and um, I think that kind of, for me, that makes the movie more, more realistic because you know we don't have well, and it's not it, this movie isn't overly heavy-handed with the supernatural aspect of it. No, yeah, it's, it's kind of under the it's, radar. Yes, it's yeah. very subtle. Where I mean, it, it, yes, it's a plot device, but it's very subtle. It's not over the top, and. When that little girl is duct taped up in that bathroom of the hotel and he starts getting, it's just like, you're right. It's grimy and it feels real. The last movie I felt like, and I know there's other movies since, but I felt like I did when I watched Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Where, man, you you instantly relate to the victims and you cannot handle the fact that they're going to get killed. Yeah. And... I just, I, like, again, the way I thought the movie was going to end, I was like, I can't handle. Yep. If this movie ends right now, I'm going to hate this fucking movie. Mm-hmm. And normally I would never say that, but but it was too real to I me. agree. So, I like the movie. I did not love it. Kind of, I think, the general consensus. Be, yeah. I will say this, though. I think a repeat viewing might start teetering me into that. Because I think I'm. I, this just has the feel of one of those films that I'm going to think about. Yeah, and I might come back to. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, two selling points: Ethan Embry. It's wonderful to see him get that role. You know, I honestly didn't. So even, I didn't even realize that's who. We the were, last time yeah, I saw him, he was like a, just now. a fat, balding cop in a TV show. It's just wonderful to see the role that he's been given in this and how great he is with it. Um, and he, I didn't listen to it, but I think he's discussed on podcasts about how he's basically right at homelessness before this role really yeah like that things weren't going well and that this kind that of that sweet home alabama money still ain't coming in took the, ah! the the role and kind of put a lot of himself into it because wow. he had his back against the wall yeah and so it's it's this really impressive performance second there as we mentioned earlier in this episode there are not a lot of good heavy metal horror movies this is one you could put on that list this is watchable this is good and it maintains the charm. I love the scene with them riding in the car and the two headbanging and the mom suggesting maybe something a little less heavy and the daughter saying, like Metallica? <laughs> and then the laugh you have with that. So those two things alone, I think, make this worth watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem with this film is identity crisis. It does not make up its mind on what it is. There is way too many slices in this pie. Yeah. Which, it, it doesn't make it a bad movie. I just think that if we 
remove a couple of those and focus on just a couple angles that it's stronger. With that said, I still liked it, but I mean, we, we teeter into Amityville with possession and the haunted house. Mm -hmm. Yep. We've got a serial killer. You know what I mean? It's just, it moves around so much. They, they, they could have done more by explaining like, like maybe what he saw, like the, the killer. Right. Or and maybe so, like Ethan Embry had, you didn't quite hear what the fuck he heard, yeah. but. And so I think that's what hindered it a little bit. I think it just, it went off just, just a little bit in too many directions. That's okay. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. A little, so, little bit it did. A little bit it did. <laughs> so I will say I completely agree with what you said about where it flipped on, on that ending. Because I actually said out loud, sitting in the chair watching this, uh, oh, oh, Jesus. Because I was like, please don't roll the credits. Like, do not, yeah. leave, do not leave me like this. I mean, when, at this point, and like I said, turn the episode off and go watch the movie. When we've got hit, when we shoot Embry, and it's not... He, he was, he was this, dead. This is, not at all. This is feeling like real life. Real life, we yeah. now ventured into kind of a home invasion upsetting film. We shoot him and leave him face down. He's offered nothing. He put himself up at the forefront to protect his family mm -hmm. and was able to accomplish nothing. It's heartbreaking to watch. He's face down on the floor. And then we watch her get into the closet and him light it up. Mm -hmm. and, and I just wait and I'm like, if they roll the credits, I am going to no. shit. Yeah. Now, with that said, it's great because they just take you down to the bottom. Oh, yeah. I mean, more so. Your hope is lost. Because usually movies do that and you can tell that's what they're doing. But with this one, wasn't really sure. I thought it was the end of the yeah. movie. I was like, oh. Like, recommend this to no one. Yeah. And so then they flipped that 180. And with how <clears throat> over the top it gets with the flames and, and Ethan Embry rises and and gets, I mean, everybody at this point is behind him because you like the character. Yeah, you yeah, care yeah. about him. Yeah. But then you've got this insane setting in the room that is now on fire because uh, our resident crazy has poured gasoline all over the places and getting and is getting ready to torch it. And, he's, and we've got the girl up there and the scene with the guitar. Just the insane violence of him beating him down. Ethan Embry beating him down with his guitar. But he is... It's awesome. Yeah, the killer's it's the, with the killer's guitar. Right, that he is to knock his. And, and and you know we we over overlooked it, but I was disturbed when you heard the crash, and he had taken his car no. and creamed the 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 sheriff yeah. in between the cars. Yeah, I forgot about and that. And like like even that, I'm like you know from that moment on was just like this and is the, too much. Well, there's two of the most punk ass cops you've ever seen. You're like oh fucking worse. Well, reg right. regardless, right. regardless. Oh, I'm like, yeah, get your gun. It's but, like you don't hear a car squalling up, getting ready to pin your ass in. But back to the the thing with them not uh, trying to elevate it all with typical stuff. There isn't like some crazy drawn out thing. It's silence. Yeah, watch this dude walk over, beat her down with a rock. Yep. Like, and it's just that the way they approached all that, all these little pieces up to the ending. That's why the ending I think is so effective with with him going in there. I mean, <coughs> with whether you want to make more out of it with symbolism. I mean, you can, mm -hmm. and, and him facing something that took another man down. Yeah. And he's turning it on it, on it, on itself. In essence, he's right. that, he's using the guitar yeah. to beat this away and yeah. save his life. I mean, you could apply that to a lot of different yeah. things that are obvious and or, message or not. But I think that's, that's why I think with some of these things, especially with how visually stimulating it was, that I think it's one that it's kind of creeping into my head. I'm thinking about here and there, whereas when I initially finished it, I was like, eh, it was good. I liked it, but not the greatest. Yeah. But I think I maybe a repeat viewing might might uh, might change that down the road. We'll see. But yeah. the, it does have the benefit of being a decent heavy metal horror movie, which is not a long list. Right. So if for nothing else, check it out for that. Uh, the other things I'll mention that haven't been mentioned um, – that first break-in scene, when the guy breaks in, oh, and when he lays down, oh. lays down with the oh. daughter. That first break-in scene, um, y'all wonder why I keep guns in multiple places around the house. <laughs> That's why. Wonder why One. I sleep in metal underwear. Um, and then uh, I really loved uh, his dream that was through the red filter 
garbage, which was the stained glass on his bedroom or his front door. Mm-hmm. But like with the goat with the crazy horns and like that that dream sequence was nuts. So other than that, I echo all your same sentiments. Um, I think it does suffer from identity crisis. Um, yeah. So I think I think a few a few tweaks and it would be an amazing movie mm-hmm. for an indie movie though, especially like some of the last few ones that I've seen horror wise. This is a great movie. Yeah. Oh well, yeah, I, it, well, it, it does suffer like, like making up its mind. Out. Yeah, independently. Yeah. And the, and the, and the painting alone, like when he when he <laughs> paints his daughter burning up in a fire, and like he's disturbed by what he painted but it's like well i can't destroy it it's not done yeah and i love that too at the end like because he's just trying to get his big break he's like doesn't matter i'm destroying it so all right any last thoughts about devil's candy i'd recommend it i'd recommend it watch Absolutely. it it's, yeah, on, it's, it's on, netflix. on netflix yeah why not why not so why not don't cost yes nothing. Yes, Ethan Just Embry, your soul. good actor. Um, all right, very good. Wrap it up another uh, episode of the Monster Mash with the Midwest Monsters. I'm one of your hosts, Grizzly Adler, joined by Professor Wagstaff, Hot Toddy, Venomous Vinny. Thanks for checking us out, friends. Be sure to tune back in for more exciting scares. Stay Remember. scary. Hey, that's my ah, line. Ah, in your face.